Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. You're listening to the 3ND Pod. I am your host, Justin Lewis. You can find the podcast on Twitter at 3ND Pod. As always, we are part of the Grizzly Bear Blues family of podcasts. You can find Grizzly Bear Blues at SBN Grizzlies uh, or at grizzlybearblues.com. Our other podcasts are GBB Live, the Core 4 Podcast, and the Starting 5 Podcast. It's a Monday night, and I'm a married man, which means I just got done watching The Bachelor. Um, not thrilled about it. Ben, did you get stuck watching The Bachelor tonight? Not tonight, but I have before. And uh, I'd be lying if I said I didn't. And uh, <laughs> there's been many a Monday nights in which I've been stuck watching The Bachelor. So I sit, <laughs> I sit down. Like, my son loves to watch basketball at four months old. Like, it really calms him. And so I got him in my arms. I turn on the Houston Rockets and Dallas Mavericks game because – I'm a big Luca fan. It was the only team uh, on TV. And so I grab him, and then I go sit down to eat my meal, and then my wife has a remote, and she's just like, we're going to watch The Bachelor. I was like, look, we ain't got to watch basketball, <laughs> but can we watch something other than The Bachelor? She said, nope. You know how many times I sit down and watch, the, uh, watch basketball with you? We're watching The Bachelor tonight. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. It's always a go-to. You know how many times I watch sports with you? You're going to sit here and watch this. Like, ah, yes. I don't make you watch the sports. Come on. Yeah, you, you can go watch something else. Like, pull up your phone and go watch TikTok or YouTube, and, like, it ain't a big deal. Right. Anyways, uh, so we are a week removed from the John Morant injury. We got the news that it was um, going to be three to five weeks before his return. Ben, I, I'm going to go ahead on a limb and say it's going to be five weeks minimum uh, just based on how they're approaching Jaron. And I really don't know what's going on with Justice Winslow, but 
there's no reason to to rush job back. Do you see any scenario where he comes back before five weeks? No, because this was already a season in which it was kind of like, are they going to make the playoffs? Aren't they going to make the playoffs? It wouldn't be the worst thing if they missed it because it's a decent draft class. So there's really no point in rushing him back. You want to have a healthy John Morant, and you don't want to put his future in jeopardy. He's a young, budding superstar, and you don't want a, a relapse because then he would miss more time. And you just want to make sure that you put yourself in the best situation moving forward and not necessarily this year. But, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I think you're right on it. It'll probably be on the five weeks end, maybe even a little after that. Who knows? Right. So from what we saw in limited time with Jaws, like he already looks like he has taken a massive leap. And, you know, Hasseltine said it with us. It looks like he took a year one to year four leap um, in the preseason. If you go back to last year and you look at Luca in his sophomore season, a year of like true development for, for some of these guys, like this is a big year for Jody to get even more of a feel for his game and, and Jenkins system. Luca had an ankle injury that just nagged him the entire season. And it was because the Mavericks had a goal of, like, we have to make the playoffs this year. Um, and, you know, luckily, most of the time with these ankle sprains, they're not going to have, like, long-term effects. But, like, look at Steph Curry. It was chronic for a long time. Yeah. Um, he had his own shoe made for it. Right. And I saw on Twitter today that Ja is actually planning on going with the high-top Kobe's for yeah. the rest of the year. And I'd, I'd say it's a really good idea for, for him. <laughs> as I don't know why guys don't do that anyway. Yeah. Um, I can't play in low tops. Like, there's no way. I, I at least play in mid tops. Um, yeah. So, for for the Grizzlies, like, when you're already missing Jaron, like you said, like, this was going to be a year where you're not really expecting the playoffs, which you didn't last year either. And they made a surprising run. But – Say they keep Jaw out for the five weeks. Jaron doesn't even come back until then, which I think we're expecting Jaron to be back maybe in three weeks or so. Um, you look up in the standings, and Denver's not going to stay below you for long. Um, there's some other teams that are down at the bottom right now that aren't going to stay there. Um, Phoenix is better than they were were expected to be so far. Like they look really, really good, and I think a lot of that has to do with Michael Bridges. Um, he is going to be a uh, a player in the running for the most improved. I'm I'm looking at the standings, Ben, and I think maybe in the West, the Thunder might end up being the only team worse than the Grizzlies when you look up at the end of surviving Jaw and Jaron being out. Um, so you, you, you look at that, then you look at the upcoming draft, like you mentioned, and you said decent. I'm in love with this upcoming draft. There is some phenomenal talents that are coming in this draft. So, like, for me, Jalen Green, Caden Cunningham, Jonathan Kuminga, um, I'm not big on Suggs yet. I have to see more of him. Um, Mobley is a guy that a lot of people love. Like, this draft is loaded. And just the, the thought of – it's almost like the Golden State Warriors looking into James Wiseman at the second pick. Like, you had an unfortunate injury, and then Steph got hurt too. So, like, you look at it, like, Jaron's out to start, like, Clay's out for the season, and then Steph went down last year, Jaw's now gone down. A really good team just looked into a really good young talent just because of injuries. 
and that puts your window sooner for the Grizzlies, I think, than if they were to try to really push and try to make the play-in game and then they're in the middle of the lottery. Then you've got to try to hit on somebody like the Miami Heat have done in that mid-range of the lottery. It doesn't always work out that way. So the other part of that is Memphis won a game without Ja and then looked really good against the Lakers until LeBron decided he was done toying with them and didn't miss a freaking shot. Right. What do you think is going to happen in these next three to five weeks with the Grizzlies? Are we going to be able to, to stay afloat or are we about to just see a long losing streak? Um, I think they'll be able to stay afloat, but I mean, what do you consider staying afloat? I mean, I don't see them losing every game like Kendrick Perkins thought. <laughs> I, I, I don't see them necessarily like, I don't think they're going to be in position uh, when Ja and Jaron both are back to say, hey, let's make a playoff run. I don't think that's going to be the case. Yeah. I do now. I do I just believe think that they're, they're not going to free fall. Well, you're already at the bottom. You can't free fall. Well, that is, that's true. <laughs> I'm saying no like, yeah. No, but you know, there's. I, I don't think they're going to be at the bottom of the West when Ja returns. I mean, like you said, they could be, you know, second or third from the bottom. But I mean, I they have a couple games against Minnesota. I think. That, I don't necessarily know if Minnesota is that much better than the Grizzlies. I don't think they are. And that's so. I mean, you can pick up a couple wins there. Yeah, I mean they have a. I mean, look at the schedule. I mean, what they got? They got Cleveland. They got the Lakers. They got Cleveland. They got Brooklyn with no. uh, No KD again. He's good. Cleveland again, and then Minnesota a couple times. I mean. Depends on, so what we're assuming that he comes back around what first second week of February. All right, so let's say let's say he comes back on February sixth against the Pelicans. Let's just walk through these games and we're, and let's let's just pick Lakers tomorrow. That's an L, right? Yeah. All right, Cavaliers. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and say they split the games with Cleveland. You're gonna call a split because I'm I, skipping. Yeah, I think that uh, we're going to have a lot of trouble defending Colin Sexton. But he's he can be inconsistent, so I'm just kind of hoping for one of those games in which he goes, you know, starts 2 of 11 and ends up maybe going like 6 of 18 or something along those lines. And I think the Grizzlies can, can hang with them and maybe pull out a victory. All right. If the Nets have Kyrie, you think they can still beat him? No, that's an L. All right. So, we're saying the next four games, we're going to go one and three. Are yes. You, are you seeing a sweep of Minnesota on the road? No, I'm seeing a split. A split. Okay. So, that's yeah. two and five. Yeah. Uh, Sixers at home. Uh, loss. Suns at home. Loss. Two and seven. Blazers out on the road. Two and nine. Two games set. All right, two and nine. Kings at home, two games set. I think they can split. Split, so three and ten. Um, Bulls at home, I might give that a win, right? Yeah, yeah. So four and ten. 
Uh, Spurs on the road. Uh, I think they lose the next four games. The next four games. That's Pacers, Rockets. So that's uh, four and 14. Yeah, I guess that would be probably at the bottom of the the West when Jock comes back. <laughs> Looking so at the schedule, breaking it down like that, it's uh, that puts yeah, you at six and eighteen, um, and you're let's see, almost a quarter of the way through the season at that point. Hey, that's tough to recover from. Oh, you're more. You're more than a quarter of the way through. Yeah, you're about a third of the way through. You're right at a third of the way through. Yeah, right at a third. So. You're you're a third of the way through, and there's no guarantee Jaws back at that point yet. Um, you don't know about Winslow. Um, we don't know if something else happens injury wise either between now and then. So like things have to really fall right for you to even be, I think, six and and eighteen at that point. And like I'm just gonna pull the Timberwolves schedule. Um, they'll lose to the Nuggets. They'll lose to the Blazers, Spurs, Spurs. We're saying they're splitting with us. Um, man, I, yeah, I could see the Timberwolves being right down there with us. Um, they're just not – they're not good. But, like, the Thunder are going to be better than people give them credit for, I think. Um, the Mavericks are going to turn it around. Lucas played well tonight. The Spurs, they've got pop. Um, you can never count them out. The Nuggets are going to turn it around from two and four. The Kings are good. Um Steph Curry can can carry the Warriors to a better record than than six and eighteen, and the top seven teams like is what everybody pretty much expected. Maybe not necessarily the order, but what they expected. So you like put on your your GM hat, Ben, or your coach's hat. Jaw returns. You're six and eighteen. You're looking up at the standings from the bottom. What's your goal for the rest of the season? Um. I mean, just – I mean, your goal is – it's not the playoffs. Um, I don't, I'm not for tanking, especially when you have a young team uh, that does not bode well for your future because they don't need to be, you know, hey, let's go ahead and tank. You know, I, that that's not good for the future. Um, I, I think you just try and do your best. I know that's kind of corny to say, but I think it's at that point you try and grow and develop together and build to the future. Uh, have Ja Jaron work together, see if Justice Winslow may be that missing piece that they think he could possibly be, see how well he works with the guys. And then, um, I don't know. I mean, that's the point where you may look at making some trades and trying to build some assets for the future and uh, do what you can to set up for next year. Yeah, so I think you nailed it right there. Uh, I think at that point, at 6-18, and 18, you're in sell mode. Um, and I, I think between now and that the return date for Morant is your um, evaluation period, your, um, dis, your showcase period. So, like, you're evaluating your young guys, like your Grayson Allens, um, your, your Jonte Porters, not necessarily Desmond Bain, like the, he's proven himself right now already. Um, so really, I guess it was Porter and Allen are the first two that you're really going to evaluate. You evaluate your two-way guys to see if it's somebody that you want to continue with. You just re-signed Melton, so you're not really concerned about him, although he is a very tradable contract now. Dylan Brooks is a very tradable contract, and according to uh, everybody's favorite, Brian Windhorse, he thinks that the Grizzlies are going to 
um, shop Dylan Brooks this year. And then Kyle Anderson's on the showcase block, I believe, as well. Um, I think you just go into sale mode. Gorgie uh, Jang's contract is going to be one that you can move as an expiring uh, to get some future assets. Here's a name for you, and then we're going to talk about him. Do you shop Valanchunas? Uh, I don't think so. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I still feel like he's part of the future. I think he's a guy you need. Um, I mean, depends on what we get and what we see I, from, you know, uh, Xavier Tillman. I mean, we saw his, uh, some of his last night. He looked pretty good. I know that was his first regular season game. That was his first game with the Grizzlies. And if you have to decide, are, are you want to go ahead and start with uh, moving ahead with Jaron at the five? But I don't. Th- I think Jonas is more of a. If you're going to trade him, it's going to be in the off season. I think you finish the year with him, and then you kind of you can try out certain lineups, see how they work, and if you feel comfortable with maybe moving Jaron to the five, some along those lines then that's when you discuss moving Jonas. But I don't see why you would do it during the season. So would this be the season with, when you come back at around 6 and 18 that you experiment a little bit more with Jaron at the five? I, I think that would be okay. Yeah, I think that's when you do it because you're not making the playoffs. And I would hope that fans would be, understand uh, what's going on instead of, you know, Always win, always win. I understand that fans want to support a winning product, but you got to be realistic too. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and I agree with you. Tillman, in his limited minutes uh, last night against the Lakers, looked good. Um, and so I, I think you've got to have a player like Tillman next to Jaron if Jaron's going to be your starting five because what, what Jaron – what Jonas does for Jaron is the same thing that Zebo did for Mark, and that's make up for the deficiency in rebounding. Jaron is a very weak rebounder right now, and you have to have Valanciunas at center because of his rebounding prowess. Tillman is another one of those guys, and maybe even BC can be a guy that you can place next to Jaron at the four and will, will help, I guess, compensate for the lack of rebounding that Jaron currently provides, which doesn't mean that he won't get any better at it, but um, – I think it's that time really to um, experiment that and maybe even get some playing time for Killian Tilly when he gets, uh, when he gets back from his hamstring to see what he provides um, for the team. Like it's just a season where we see these young guys. Like I want to see Porter, man, all this talk about him. uh, He's gets, he gets a deal without ever stepping foot on the floor. Um, So let's, let's see what he's got. Um, If you had to pick one player on the roster right now, that gets traded at the deadline, who's it going to be? I think it's uh, Jang. That's, uh, honestly, I think that's what it is because he provides stuff, something that not a lot of teams have. And uh, that's uh, – I mean, he's a big man. He's a center. He's a, he's a true center. He does have a little outside shooting. But I think he provides something to a, a team that not many – there's not that out there a backup big that's a true center. Right, that will block shots, that will rebound, and can spread the floor. Um, I'll tell you a team that I think would be a good fit for him, but I don't think can make it happen because of his large contract, unless the Grizzlies decided they want to eat some of it. Um, 
I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the Lakers are going to miss having the combination of Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee because Mark is not going to rebound at the same level as those guys did. Um, he does provide something different offensively for them, but the rebounding is not going to be there. Um, and if, if Davis wants to guard fours and kind of be out on the floor some, his rebounding numbers are going to you know dip still from where they should be. Um, so I think Jane would be a great fit off the bench for the Lakers, even though they got Montrez Harrell, but like, because Harold can't spread the floor, he disappeared in the playoffs last year for the Clippers. Um, yeah. you, you couldn't put him out there. Um, so there's going to be teams that, that go out there and look for that. Um, roster moves are definitely going to be coming for the Grizzlies. I think this will not be the same roster that we end the year with. Uh, speaking of roster moves, we signed Tim Frazier on a hardship ex- exception. And I'm so mad, Ben, because my article that came out this morning was about how we can manage without John Moran at point guard, and I failed to consider the <laughs> hardship exception because I didn't think we we had enough qualified uh, to get to that point yet. But like, we're now at the point where we have the uh, the twenty eight man team. <laughs> yeah, that was uh that was a fun year. To. Uh... <laughs> I say that, and uh, <laughs> as, you know, I'm kidding. That was not a fun year. That's a, it's a good trivia thing to do, though. Name all 28 players that played for the Grizzlies that season. I know I can't do it, and I covered them. I don't know if I could do 20. I don't, I don't think so. I, I probably couldn't. I definitely couldn't. <laughs> oh, um, so let's let's go to a player that you and I both like and love. And I put I, I looked up some research today um, just because I was bored at school um, because we don't have students back yet. And then our internet was down. So I was on my phone looking. Um, Valanchunas is one of two players in the Western Conference to have a double-double every game this season. And he's the only player in the Western Conference for it to be points and rebounds. Jokic is the other one. um, And he's – his is points and – yeah, he has points and assists as his – so he's got nine points and rebound. um, Not nine. He's got – Every game but one is points and rebounds, and he has a points and assist double-double. Uh, but Valanciunas isn't a top 100 player. Right. Like, like, that's what I was saying. They're both centers, and the guy that – one of the guys that told you he didn't rank him is because he's a center. It's like two centers, the only guys that have double-doubles. I mean, I know it's a little tougher for other players, but, you know, you got point guards, you got guards that can dish out 10 assists, 10 points. It's, you know, it's uh, – and last night, I was, uh, you know, when you run up against a team like the Lakers that's big inside, you got some big guys. I mean, he, he got frustrated at times, but he was still able to get that double-double, and that's impressive. Yeah, and he rebounded against – I mean, I granted, it was against Gasol. We just recognized the fact that he's a weak rebounder. But, like, the Lakers as a team were a good rebounding team, and Valanciunas still managed to pull down double-digit boards. The problem that I have with this is not only does he get the national disrespect, but our very own Joe Molinax disrespected Jonas Valanciunas on Twitter this morning. Did you see it? No, I didn't. I, I didn't see his uh, disrespect. Here's the disrespect. He compared Valanciunas' double-doubles to Russell Westbrook's triple-doubles. Calling them why? empty. I mean, how, how, why? I mean, it's he didn't have the ball in his hands every time he comes down. He didn't – What? He says they're empty, that they don't, they don't contribute to winning. 
Well, we're not going to win games. <laughs> this is okay. I'm I'm going to get off on a, a little tangent here about something along those lines. Is I hate individual players plus minuses because it doesn't tell the entire story of how they played and everything like that. My response to that is there's so many other things that go into why the team lost. Not, I mean, he can't. That that's just that's bad. <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I will agree that at times Russell Westbrook's triple-doubles do seem empty because he is the best player on the team, he's a superstar, and he's not winning championships. Like, a triple-doubles meant nothing because when he gets to the postseason, he doesn't win. But to say that Valanciunas' double-doubles are empty is insane, in my opinion, because if he doesn't rebound, who's going to? Right, especially when, I mean, even when Jaron comes back. We just discussed. Right. Jaren's not that big of a rebounder. No. Like, and he's a workhorse. Um, I think he even mentioned that, like, he's been maybe a little bit inefficient. He was that, – that his first couple of games, like, he was missing close stuff that he just normally doesn't miss. But the dude was the 17th player ranked in player efficiency last season. And you're going to tell me that he's inefficient and his double-doubles are empty? Come on, Joe. You got to be better than that. Now, I, there are times when they can be empty, but just to dismiss all of them as being empty. Like last night, he worked harder than many of the guys down low just to get those rebounds. And I don't know. I, I, I the game against the Hawks, I said it was an empty trip, or excuse me, an empty double double. That's because he should have dominated that game. Like he should have gotten close to twenty and twenty. We saw what he did at the end of last year, and. I expected him to be more of, like, the beast down low that he was at the end of the year, than he, and he kind of disappeared against Atlanta. I can give him that as an empty double-double. But every other night, he's, came, he's come to work. And I, I wouldn't say that uh, he's the reason not contributing to winning. There's a lot of things going on right now. I don't know if he's noticed that John Morant's not playing. <laughs> Their two best players are out. I think that's contributing to not winning. I mean, come on. I think Joe is so has so much tunnel vision on making sure that Desmond Bain gets to be a starter that he's missing the rest of the game. I mean, I agree with him on that. I'll say one thing that did surprise me on Twitter was you actually somewhat defended Dylan Brooks. Hold on, I was now. really. <laughs> I w- you were talking with Parker. I was harsh on Dylan with last night's game. First half, Dylan, great. Second half, Dylan, old Dylan Brooks, 0 of 9. He threw up a lot of shots early in the shot clock. And I just thought that, you know, they they were hanging with the Lakers and everything. I understand he's guarding LeBron. I can take something out of him. I get it. Played pretty good defense up until the fourth quarter. But, I mean, bad Dylan return. And I was disappointed because I'm, you know, I, I was the one that stood up for him when you and Leanna were going, trying to trade him. <laughs> Was Kyle that Anderson was not guarding LeBron? What? Was Kyle Anderson not guarding LeBron? He was, but, I mean, Dylan Brooks guarded him too, and that could take something out of him. I mean. All right, so let me let me talk about Dylan Brooks. First off, I don't remember if it was last night or the game before. Did you see the hook shot that he threw up running through the lane? Yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of crap I'm talking about, man. Like, why on earth would you do that? 
Well, I mean, that three that he airballed last night. Oh, that was my just like God. And they had to review it to see if it was tipped. I knew. I was like, that was not tipped. That was – I mean, that was like right when LeBron was taking over. That's when the Grizzlies needed a bucket. I, I was thinking, I was like, all right, they need to get a basket here. They're down six. Looks like LeBron's trying to take over. And that's what we get. I'm like, ah, oh, this game's over. <laughs> all right. So, yes, for those of you that don't believe it, I was somewhat defensive of Dylan Brooks on Twitter today. And it was because – I did in the first half for sure. He he moved the ball well. Um, his shot selection outside of a shot or two was more than acceptable. Um, and to be honest, because we were only down two going into the fourth quarter, I didn't really notice bad Dylan Brooks in the third quarter. He might have been there, um, but he was doing things so well leading up to that that I, you know, I, I guess I I wasn't like looking for Dylan to screw up. Like, normally when I watch a game, like, when he does something, I look at my wife, I'm like, there's Dylan again. And she's just like, yeah. always, he's just always on some stuff. And I, it wasn't it wasn't like that last night, except when he took the first shot of the game. I was like, of course, Dylan's going to take the first shot of the game. And then he drilled it, and I was just like, all right, I'll just go ahead and shut <laughs> up now. Um, but I think he is definitely trying harder to, to shed that image of him. Um, yeah. And something that I'm going to be exploring on GBB coming up is just how – what kind of playmaker he needs to be because he can't be Ja. Like, it's, he, it's not in him. He doesn't have that skill set. And you can tell that he's never been the focus of an offense because he didn't know how to pass out of a trap or a double. Many times that his passes were deflected or stolen um, or knocked out of bounds or he turned it over himself on a bad pass. Um, there's just going to be some plays that he's not going to be able to make. And he's, I think he's got to find himself, even within the playmaking side of it, what do I bring to the playmaking side? Is it just making the extra pass? Is it, you know, passing here instead of shooting here? Uh, and I'm going to look at some player comps around the league. Uh, maybe guys like Marcus Smart, um, kind of that kind of role for Dylan might be what's good for him. But, yes – I had positive things to say on Twitter about Dylan Brooks. I wasn't going to bring it up. Uh, <laughs> hey, he was – in the first half, he was three of six. He had four assists, some rebounds. Grizzlies were winning. You know, it, it felt like, okay. And then the second half turned around, and he was like, nobody's scoring. I got to score. So, so this is – is this a microcosm of Dylan Brooks? Like, yeah. he's, a, he's efficient. And not leaving the team in shots in the first half and we're winning the game. And yeah, then, everybody get involved. He's helping everybody get involved. Right. Like he and, had two more assists than Tyus last night. Really? I did not know that. I didn't pay attention to that part of the stats. Tyus only had three assists. Dylan had five. Four were in the first half where the Grizzlies actually – they looked pretty good uh, for a team missing their two best players. They looked good when the bench came in. Yeah. They went on that run, and maybe it had to be with Desmond Bain and his floor spacing, or, or I don't know what it was. But to go back to the microcosm thing of Dylan Brooks, it's like he only took six shots in the first half. So it's like in halftime, it's like I didn't shoot enough. And he just came <laughs> out there. He's like, I got to get some shots up. He got that piece of paper in his hand. The, the box <laughs> score, he's like, whoa, wait a second. He's like, six shots? If I'm making half of them, if I shoot 40 more shots and I make 10 of them, 
if we're I gonna to, win, yeah. <laughs> if I get to twenty shots tonight, man, I'm gonna have thirty points. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Somebody's gotta score on this team. I don't oh. know. It's just like they, they, they what they scored thirty six points in the first quarter, and you're like, okay, and yeah, it was the bench that helped them come alive, but. You know, you, you see a team score 36 points in the first quarter, and then what did they end up with? 86, 90 – I forgot what the final was. Maybe it was 90-something, 90 92. It was low. Hold on, I, got, I can pull that right. 94. Yeah, 108 to 94. I mean, that's that's not even – they didn't even – yeah. I mean, the Lakers are a great defensive team. Like, there's no doubt oh, about yeah, that. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. And you're missing two superstars that are your offensive go-to guys. Um but yeah, like the O for nine stuff, like that's that's another like you're obviously not gonna win many games when Dylan Brooks scores nine points, efficient or inefficient, no matter what. Um, but it's the O for nine stuff. It's less about the the stat itself that bothers me, but it's the inability to change the mindset once you reach that O for five part or the O for six. Like at what point do you realize Oh, I don't got it right now. Let's change the way we play. Like until he gets there, I can't be excited about Dylan Brooks. No, I get it. And I, the 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 more frustrating part was he was taking some of those shots in the second half were very early in the shot clock, like less than ten seconds into the shot clock, and that just can't happen unless you have an open lane and you're able to drive to the bucket. And these weren't driving to the bucket for a layup. These were, for the most part, you know, jumpers. And you don't really – it kind of takes the team out of the game. It takes the team out of rhythm. You're out of – he's out of rhythm, obviously, if he's not making them. And maybe that's – we've discussed it before. Like, you know, he thinks that it's the opposite of a heat check. He just so needs that one. So – you know, I, I coached basketball in high school, and um, we installed some levels of our offense today. And it's just a basic read and react offense. And we got this sophomore um, who trots around campus like he's Dylan Brooks. Like, he has the same confidence in himself that Dylan Brooks has in himself. And it's just as unwarranted, if not more. And so – We've got some problems on our team with selfishness and that kind of stuff going on right now. And we're really working hard to get rid of it before because district play starts tomorrow night. And um, our guys that are the selfish ones are doing a really good job with this offense. They're making the extra pass. They're making the right pass. They're not, you know, we're trying to get the whole team involved. So we bring in our second string to run them on offense. And it's just an offense killer, man. Like he, he won't cut, he won't set screens. He won't – like, he just wants to score. He just wants to drive. He wants to shoot. He just wants to put the ball in the basket. And I feel like at times, like, that's just Dylan. He's just like, bump the offense. Like, I am I need to go get a bucket here. Like, he just has – and it's cool that, you know, somebody on the team has to have the alpha mentality with, with Ja out because Ja is the alpha. Yeah. But, like, Ja is the alpha also makes the right basketball play. Right. Dylan as the alpha because he lacks the same level of basketball IQ his alpha mindset is I'm Kobe and I'm about to get buckets. Yeah. And maybe the answer is for, for Tyus Jones, cause he looks like the guy 
that can take the reins of this offense. He seems to be making the right place, seems to get, be getting more comfortable in that role as being the starting point guard, at least for right now. He found his shot. Maybe he just needs to be like, whoa, Dylan, calm down. Maybe take the next step towards being the leader, at least while Jai's gone. Because he is the – well, Kyle Anderson's the oldest one on the team. But I feel like Tyus being the guy that's running the offense needs to be a little more vocal when it comes to stuff like that. Because after the game yesterday, he was talking about how his the guys have been, like, on him about, like, yeah, motivating him and building his confidence – now it's time for him to be like, all right, well, I'm running the offense. I'm in charge. Maybe kind of, hey, Dylan, whoa, pull back a little bit. You know, we got this. You know, let's run the offense a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, I, somebody's going to have to step up. But, like, he's also, like, kind of the elder statesman. I know there's that commercial on TV about Kyle Anderson being the elder statesman. But, like, Dylan's been there longer, I think, right? Or just as long. This is what? This is Dylan's fourth year with the Grizzlies? He's been there since uh, 17, 18 was his rookie year, and Anderson came the next year. So, he's been there longer. Like, he is the guy. Yeah. Let's see. Hold on. What year was it with a 28-man roster year? Was it 17, 18? Uh, I want to say it was 16, 17. 16, 17. No. Jaeger was the coach, right? 15, 16. Yeah. Oh, here it is. It's the 15, 16 year. All right. To close it out, Ben, I want you to name as many people from that roster as you can name off the top please, of your head. Please don't. I can't remember any of them off the top of my head right now. <laughs> All right. I'm going to read the list off oh, to you. Here, Mike Conley. Yeah, oh. Conley. All right. Just give me, give me what you got. I, was that Conley, Gasol, was Tyreek? Was he was that his year? Uh no. See, I, I, I all these years run together. I think Tyreek was in I'm, I'm terrible year. at stuff like this. All right, so it was Jordan. I can I can tell you all this stuff. Tony okay. Allen. Birdman. TA, of course, yeah. Matt Barnes. Mm-hmm. Vince Carter. Chalmers, James Ennis, Bryce Cotton, Jordan Farmar. Okay, wow. Yeah, Gasol, Jamichael Green, Jeff Green, P.J. Harrison, Ryan Hollins, Courtney Lee, Jarrell Martin, Ray McCallum, Xavier Munford, Zebo, Russ Smith, Lance Stevenson, Alex Stevenson, Jarnell Stokes, Bino Udry, Briante Weber, Elliot Williams, and Brandon Wright. Okay. I mean, I don't, I would have never of, gotten that. I would have never gotten that. They have heard of 27 of those guys. What? You said Alex Stevenson? Yeah. I don't remember him. I'll be he honest that, with you. He was that big power forward. But when you started naming them, when he got the, like, Birdman and Matt Barnes, I was like, okay. And I started remembering, you know, all those guys. But I, I, there's no way that I could have gotten 15, even if you gave me those, those three. Like, I, you know, it's – like I said, all the years start to run together. Right. It's, so, that was a record 
28. I think in 18, yeah. 19, we had 26. That's wild. That was the Tyler Dorsey and um, Shelvin Mack year. I hope we don't get anywhere near that this year. I hope, you know, our injury report has been long. Um, but hopefully, yeah. you know, like Tilly's is a hamstring. Uh, hopefully he comes back soon. Winslow is supposed to be back soon. Uh, Jaron could be back before the month's up. And, you know, let's just hope. Archard made his first appearance on it today. Oh, yeah. I saw Bryce Hayes say something about the uh, the left side. Um, of the body is what seems to be the issue for everybody on our injury list. Um, and if that's the case, and I think the training staff needs to figure out <laughs> something to keep these guys from getting hurt on their left side of their body, man. They're all right-handed except for Winslow, but Winslow's is a hip because he's made of glass. Um, they're right-handed, so they're, that's the side that they're putting a lot of their weight on more often than not. So, like, there needs to be maybe some training – that goes on to keep this left side of the body healthy. But, you know, that's why they do the job, and I'm over here just talking about it on the podcast. Right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, to wrap it up, we're going to go back through uh, the week that's upcoming. Hopefully, we have a guest with this next week. we got a couple guys that we're in touch with um, that we are trying to get on the show with us. Um, so, let's see. I had it pulled up, and then I lost it. They got the Lakers tomorrow or tonight. What Today's Monday, so they have the Lakers tomorrow. Uh, and Cleveland, Brooklyn, Cleveland again. So, well, yeah. So, two Clevelands, a Brooklyn, and L.A. All right, so Ben says one and three. Yeah. Between the now and the next podcast. Um, and are both Cleveland games on the road? I think it's, it's uh, home and away. Yeah. Uh, their next th- the Grizzlies' next three games are at home, and then they travel to Cleveland on Monday, a week from today. All right, so definitely a Lakers loss. Um, I, I just don't see – while they may have the effort and the energy, I just don't see how they can pull it off. LeBron won't let them hang around in the fourth like he did last game. Uh, the Nets, they'll be without Durant. If Kyrie plays, it's a loss. If he doesn't, I think it's a – it's it's another win that we can pull out um, because all they have is Levert um, and freaking Timothy Luau Cabarro, whoever the heck that is. Um, the Cavaliers at on the road, I think, will be a loss. Um, Sexton has been really good. They still got Kevin Love. Um, freaking Andre Drummond's coming off the bench, I think, behind JaVale McGee. Uh, still got Darius Garland. Uh, yeah. and they, they've got a decent little team over there. So I think the the road Cleveland game will drop, but I think we can sneak out uh, one of the 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 home game against Cleveland because you think about it, like Sexton and Garland aren't big guards, so if they're being guarded by the likes of Dylan Brooks and Kyle Anderson, like that's going to be a problem for them all night. Um, what is going to be interesting is if it was like Minnesota Timberwolves, Kevin Love, Kyle Anderson would have a handful, but if they're still oh, starting yeah. BC at the four. That would still be a problem for, for BC. But this spread to four, Kevin Love, not much to worry about, I don't think. Um, so I'm with you one and three between now and the next episode of the podcast. And between now and the next episode of the podcast, Ben Hogan is going to be a dad. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, be a dad next time. 
he will be a, if he's even on the next episode he may not yeah. be with us next episode no <laughs> i'm gonna go ahead and tell you you're not gonna be with me on sunday i'm gonna have to have somebody else with me i'll be asleep no you won't <laughs> no you won't i promise you you won't be asleep i hope you do get sleep um i hope he sleeps for the night as soon as you take him home uh congratulations uh, to you and your wife. I hope everything goes well. Uh, we'll be praying for her quick recovery and, and a healthy baby. Um, ben, anything you want to say before we hop off? No, nah, man. Had a good time. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, next time I talk to you, you'll be a changed man. I'm looking forward to uh, getting to <laughs> to see little Hogan pop up on a podcast. Uh, <laughs> but until next time, remember – we weren't expected to win it all this year. Losing is going to be okay. Be patient with these Grizzlies and check us out next week. <laughs>